You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Watling and Owen Show. Matt Watling, as usual, joined by my good friend, confidant, and fellow leader in the AFC East, Luke Owens. Well, that's not true, but okay. Well, okay, the top half of the league is that of the division is that better? Yes, but you said fellow leader. You made it sound like the Jets were tied in first place. All right, fellow top half of the division, mate. Over 500 teams that are in the playoffs right now. Yes. How about that? That's right. A a lot to talk about today, and we're glad that you're here with us. And if you're missing any of the action, check out the podcast, of course. It'll be up in just moments. But a a a lot to talk about. A lot of positives, but one glaring negative that, unfortunately, we have to get to first. Because we can celebrate the Giants, we can celebrate the Jets and the Bills and their wins. But late last night, the San Diego Padres take down the Mets and end their season. And I think that's where we have to start. So we look at the Mets, and they fall 2-1 to one in their three-game set against the Padres. And it was just a sad way to watch them go out. And it was kind of, you didn't really expect it to be this way, but it kind of makes sense. You only have two base runners in game three. You're one hit. And the team just couldn't put any real runs together throughout the entire series. They had seven in game two in their win. They had one in game one and then nothing last night. And that's how the team kind of peters out to end their season. It's really, really tough. And I know we talked last week, like when we look back on the season, oh, they they got over 100 wins and all that. But I don't even think we can look back on that and say it was a success. Like at, at some point, the bar has to be higher than that because We've seen the Yankees over the past few years win 100 games, then get bounced in the first round, and we're talking about how what a, a massive disappointment it is. And it's hard to sit here and say the Mets were anything but a massive disappointment. And it's unfortunate because during the regular season, for you know most of the year, they were a really exciting team to watch. They had good pitching, they had good situational hitting, and then everything just kind of went away in the playoffs. And you know you highlighted it last week. It's so hard in the playoffs to be a team that has to string three, four hits together to score. You know, it's you want the big blow off the bat, and you know, that's got that a couple of times in game two. But when it came down to it, when it came to crunch time, they just didn't have the bats to win. I mean, they they were hitless for, what, like five innings to start the game. Uh, they were only able to total, uh, you know, one hit in the, in the entire elimination game. I mean, it's it's disappointing. And, I mean, if you're a Mets fan, it's tough because if you go online right now, it's like the LOL Mets thing is back. I don't think it's really about the Mets of old. I think it's about the Mets of this year, and they just weren't good enough, and it's a massive disappointment. It's hard to talk about this team and right now speak to the positives, but to just take a step back and and look, it's a really terrible way to go out. Like This is a team that in the summer we thought could have won a World Series. right? The first two months of the season, we were talking about a Mets-Yankees subway series, which could still happen next year. You know, I think this is a team that could be good, and, uh, and we'll kind of get to that and what they need to do later on. But this was only the, the this was like the fifth time that they were that they've had at least 100 wins in their in their long career in their long program history. This was the second most wins they've ever had as a franchise, 101. The the most being 108. So to say you can't take anything pause away from this se- this season, it feels unfair because there was some positives, right? 101 wins, like that's significant, and you know. Everyone says, oh, well, the Yankees need to, you know, it needs to count for the Yankees in the postseason. When we still talk about the Yankees, what's one of the things that we talk about and applaud them for? For not being under 500 for so many years, for just making the playoffs in so many years that they have. So 
while it is disappointing, let's also give the Mets some credit this season. It was a team that won 101 games, and that's a big accomplishment for a team. Yeah, I think that another issue with the Mets is, I mean, going into the series, and we obviously talked about, like, once you – I mean, I said their season was over once they were just in the wild card. Even if they had won this series, it would have been tough sledding. But, I mean, you look at a team that's designed to win a wild card series, it should be the Mets. I mean, they threw Scherzer in game one. They threw DeGrom in game two. They threw Bassett in game three. And they end up losing the series. I mean, Scherzer looked terrible in game one. Uh, DeGrom obviously gave them what they wanted in game two. They were able to, to give them some runs as well. And then Bassett looked horrible in game three. Like – two of your top three starters failed in the biggest moment. And now, you know, Jacob DeGrom's probably on his way out. Max Scherzer is, I don't know. I don't know how durable he's going to be for next year. So it's, it's definitely, that's a point of concern is the top two guys and, and guys that we said we'd trust with, with the lives on the line, both came up small in big moments. Well, I, I think Scherzer's hurt. And there was that story that came out that he's excited for the season to end so he can get his oblique in the right spot. And maybe that helps him in May and April. But is he going to be able to sustain that health through the entire season next year? So maybe you can kind of pass off the the buck on Scherzer and why he didn't perform too well in his last two starts. But if that's the case, shouldn't he have also not started game one? Like, shouldn't have I mean, DeGrom have been your game one year. starter? His arm just died last year in the playoffs. Like, maybe he's just not built. Like, maybe just don't have him pitch for three months of the year. Like, honestly, like, that might be he's such a big investment. He's such a big investment. Why are you, you know, pitching him every start from March to October? I know he had a, a couple IL stunt, stunts and things like that. But at the same time, like, if he's going to constantly be getting hurt or not having the arm for October, then what are you paying him all that money for? Right. And, and you need him for October. And this is a team that we expect to be able to win in the regular season now, right? Like, making the playoffs next year shouldn't be a question. You should make the playoffs next year. You probably should win the division, but I'm not going to, you know, speak to that, right? At least make the playoffs. And then by the time you get there, hopefully Scherzer is in a position where he can play some meaningful minutes and actually play well. But w- one thing to kind of touch on, I guess, Luke, is heading into this offseason. And if you lose DeGrom, fine. I don't know how good he is anymore, to be honest. And maybe I'm overreacting to the last couple starts, but I, I just don't see the old DeGrom that we used to see. And, and frankly, I don't think he wants to be here anymore. You know, if he's going to leave, it's because he doesn't want to be here. It's not because the Mets are going to get outbid by another team. But I look at this team and heading into free agency, I think they need to go after. And if Aaron Judge leaves the Bronx, it needs to be for Queens if you're the Mets. You cannot let him leave this city if you're Steve Cohen. Because this is a guy that would be a great leader for this team. He's the best free agent on the market. And he's going to instantaneously make your lineup that much better. Because Pete Alonso doesn't do it. You know, Francisco Lindor can hit three something all he wants, but when there's no one with power to get him in, you know, not enough consistency, it's really tough to actually make a difference. Because you look at this lineup, and it was really bad. And Aaron Judge can change that dynamic with one swing of the bat seemingly every single at-bat. He has the chance to make something happen, and it feels like the Mets don't have that. That idea where you could put Pete Alonso in a big spot, and maybe let a home run here or there, but he doesn't quite have that consistency that Aaron Judge might have had this year and certainly last year. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that the Mets should go out and get, you know, the best available free agent, the best player in baseball this year. But is it attainable? I mean, you heard Brian Cashman come out uh, this week and say Judge is a guy that they're going to he, – he's won. I think – what did he say? He got a golden ticket or something like that. Like he's, he's earned a bit, an even fatter contract than they offered him. So he's already come out publicly and said that, which makes me think, the Yankees are going to up their offer. And I know Steve Cohen has more money than God, and he can throw whatever he wants at him. But 
I, I just don't if the Yankees let Aaron Judge walk to Queens, I, I think that would be a huge hit on a huge black mark on the franchise. And I don't know if they'd be able to sustain it. So I think the Yankees will do everything in their power to make sure that Judge doesn't head to Queens. I mean, it's a great idea. You'd love to have Aaron Judge on the Mets, but I, I just don't know if it's feasible. Well, if he stays in New York in with the Yankees, it's one thing. But if there's a chance that he goes anywhere else and it's San Francisco, it's maybe it's L.A., maybe it's Boston. It, it's got to be to, to the Mets because this is a team that needs that star power. And it just for me, this team needs to completely revamp its lineup. It's just it didn't do enough for me. When you look at the play, and it's weird because you look at the lineup and you say the top couple guys are really good, but they just fell apart. And that's what's so strange to me because Pete Alonso should have done something, right? Mc, uh, McNeil, who was batting sixth at one point in this in this kind of playoff wild card, was doing stuff, but they just no one could score the runs. It was very strange to me how the offense just completely died. Yeah, I mean, Nemo and... McNeil are great, but you know, at some point it's tough to, you know, they're not ideal players at some point. So Nimmo's going to be gone. I wonder what they do with you him. You think he's gone? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the question is, how much are you? I mean, he made seven million dollars this year. I'd assume he's probably going to be in the market for like 10, 10 to twelve, maybe. I mean, he's a good player, but would you rather brand Nimmo or would you rather have a guy with a little more power? Or I mean. Starling Marte was their best player yesterday, and he has one hand. Like, that, that, that was pretty crazy. And I don't know. They're losing a lot of pitching, but I agree with you. It's, it's got to be the bats that, that they upgrade on because they didn't hit enough home runs. They didn't get enough – I mean, we talk about timely hits. They didn't get any timely hits in this series. So, you know, throw that out the window as well. Like, this lineup needs revamping. And, you know, maybe Francisco Alvarez in a full season can, can be a, a good power bat and a good catcher for you. But, you know – Marte, like I said in the beginning of the year, this is an older roster. You know, Escobar, Canna, Marte, they've been in the league for a while. You know, obviously Pete Alonso and Lindor are your cornerstones, but how do you kind of fill in the rest of your lineup? And that's going to be a big question for the Mets to answer. You know what I have a serious problem with with this team? What's your that? DH was batting seventh last night. The guy's one job is to hit. That's what the designator hitter does, right? He doesn't field. He's supposed to hit. And the fact that you have Daniel Vogelbach being your, your seventh in your lineup and hitting as the DH is kind of the problem with this team in a nutshell. Is they didn't do enough at the deadline. You know, the guy they traded in JD Davis happens to be better than both Ruff and Vogelback by the end of the season. And it, they just didn't and bring one. Luke? I was just listing another bad free agent. No, go ahead. I just said he was better than Naquin, too. Oh, Naquin as well. JD Davis. Yeah. Like, you go through all the pieces that they brought in, and they were all useless. Like, Givens was whatever. He's not a – you know, you're, you're using your closer in the seventh inning multiple times in the series because you didn't have anyone else to go to in a tight game. And I just look at what they did, and you look at the aging curve on this team, and you look at DeGrom, who could be gone. Scherzer maybe doesn't have a life in him that we thought that he did. And the idea that they didn't go all in for this season when the National League was very much up for grabs because – you just got to beat the Dodgers, basically. And now you couldn't even get out of the wild card. It's the more I talk about this season, the more it feels extremely disappointing and in the result that happened. Yeah, and you look at some other guys. I mean, Carrasco's gone. I, I know, obviously, he's not a huge piece, but he's a he's a consistent arm for you. Chris Bassett's going to be gone. Taiwan Walker has a team option, which I think the Mets will pick up. But, you know, he could be gone. Trevor Williams is gone. Seth Lugo's gone. Adam Adovino's gone. Trevor May is gone. Edwin Diaz is gone. Like, they're losing a lot. Not only you know, in their lineup and also in their pitchers. And I know those are guys that they can pretty easily resign if they want them, but 
Diaz is, is going to command a big contract. You know, DeGrom is, like we said, probably gone. But if you want to keep him, he's going to command a big contract. I know the Mets have all the money in the world. But at some point, you know, you have to make those savvy moves as well. So it's going to be a really key offseason for, for the Mets. Right. And I know we're kind of pushing into the offseason already. Because it's, it's almost hard to talk about. Like, it's almost crazy to, to sit here. I mean, I said the Mets were going to sweep the Padres. And every other series was a sweep in this in this weekend, except for the Mets, which go to three games and, and eventually lose. So I, I feel bad for Mets fans, but also, you know, it's it's one of those things where you could almost see the writing on the wall as the Braves kind of crept closer and closer and the Mets just didn't make enough improvements. It was kind of the writing on the wall that the season was going to end in disappointment. Right. And, and one last thing I'll say before we get into the pause, because we've already spent, you know, 12 minutes on the Mets and getting into the show. You're going to see a lot of guys leave in free agency because – this team wasn't good enough to re-sign the guys that you had. For Brandon Nimmo, for example, he's a nice player, but can I get someone better than Brandon Nimmo in free agency? Probably. And if I can, then I should, because Brandon Nimmo is not going to do it for this team, right? Edwin Diaz is a guy you got to keep, but do I really need to keep Seth Lugo when I can bring in a better reliever, right? Do I need to keep cer- certain players when I frankly need to improve my team, not just sustain what I have? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, It'll be really interesting to see if, if the Mets, you know, try to basically run back the same team or go make improvements. But I think you and I both agree it has to be improvements if they want to see better results. You know, we've seen the Yankees kind of almost ram their heads into a wall like three, four straight years where they just run back the same but team they and make minor talent. adjustments. That's true. I mean, yeah, the Yankees, you can see, you know, Stanton can have a year where he hits 40 home runs. Judge just had a year where he hits 62. You know, they have all these guys that have the potential, even like Josh Allenson, who hasn't worked out for them you could see you know he has that potential there the Mets don't have that you kind of know you know what Brandon Nomo is you know what Jeff McNeil like they're nice players but you kind of know what their ceiling is they don't have those guys that can kind of go off in one season like the Yankees do so you're right to that extent but also I think the Mets would like to I mean Steve Cohen's not just going to sit there you know and I know he wants to rebuild the farm and and they want to do this and that but I don't think the Mets are going to just sit there and run back you know arguably a, a worse team because if DeGrom's gone, you're, you're right there, probably a worse team. But, you know, I don't see that happening. Maybe they bring back Noah Syndergaard for, for another run. Okay. All right. Let's get to some positive. And I'll, and I'll ask you this, Luke, <laughs> because I don't know where we go next. I'm going to save the Bills for the end because, look, they crushed a Steelers team that's not very good, right? That, that game didn't teach me anything. What do you think the bigger win was, the Giants or the Jets? I think it was the Giants. And I, I don't know, maybe that'll make you mad. It was a really nice win for the Jets. Um, but again, once Teddy Bridgewater goes down, you're like, man, if the Jets lose this game, it's embarrassing. Right. You know, the Giants go to London and I, like an idiot, took the Packers to cover thinking, you know, Daniel Jones is gonna be 100 percent. And, you know, this is a game where, you know, the Packers don't need to throw the ball a lot. They can just run the ball, which is for some who knows what reason what they do the best this year. But I was more impressed with the Giants. That was a good win. It wasn't the Bears game. It wasn't the Panthers game. It wasn't even the Titans game. That was a good win for the Giants where we actually saw them play good football down the stretch, a close game against an actually good team that showed they can win those types of games. And I'm just so impressed with the job that Brian Dable has done. They have nobody in the receiving room right now. Like Darius Slayton had a nice game. Yes. But other than that, it's just a bunch of nobodies in the receiving room for the giants right now. And they still piece together this win. Obviously you get another huge game from Saquon Barkley, but I was a little bit more impressed with the giants and the jets. Yeah. And I think we'll start there then. Cause I didn't know which team we should start with. So I'll, we'll go with the giants in this scenario and, proud of you for not starting with the Jets. No, I wanted to leave it up to you because I think you can kind of go either way because the Giants beat a team in Green Bay that 
frankly, I don't think is as good as we thought they were. Like Aaron Rodgers can't do it with this cast of receivers that they have. Now, granted, it's still the Green Bay Packers. It's still Aaron Rodgers. And you've still scored 17 straight points to win the game 27-22. It's your best start since 2009. And this game, it felt like a real game. Like the Giants didn't lull the Packers to sleep. It wasn't a disgusting football game to watch like I thought it could have been. This was a very good football game that the Giants earned, right? They didn't get lucky. They didn't muck it up. They straight up beat the Green Bay Packers. And right now, the Giants are a better team than the Green Bay Packers, which is crazy to think. Yeah, it is insane. And, of course, the one year the Giants are off to a 4-1 and start, the Eagles are undefeated and the Cowboys are just as good. Like, who, who would have thought, of course, the one year the Giants do this? But the good news for the Giants is if you look around the rest of the NFC, that's the lackluster part. You know, the Rams look bad. The Cardinals look bad. Uh, you know, the Niners have, have looked better with Jimmy G, but, you know, they're kind of up in the air. Uh, the, the Saints have been a little bit worse than people thought, I think. So they're still in a very like winnable conference, which looked winnable before the season, but even more winnable now in terms of making the playoffs. And I mean, I'm impressed though. I, I really am. I mentioned Brian Dable. Wink Martindale has been a godsend for them as well. Like the combination of those two offensively and defensively, I remember talking about Joe Judge early in his tenure being like, he gets the most out of his guys. But he wasn't winning games like this. You know, Brian Dable's getting the most out of his guys and winning games. And that combination is is huge for the Giants. And it's 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 crazy to see. Like, if you told me the Giants were going to be 4-1, I, I understand it was a favorable schedule for them. But you still have to go out there and win on Sundays. I mean, we see, you know, stupid games in the NFL happen all the time. And for the Giants to go out and get a win like this, where, by the way, Daniel Jones probably played his best game as a passer this year, is huge. Right. And he did it with... His best receiver, Darius Slayton, puts up almost 80 yards on six receptions, and he played like half the snaps. Like, he's not even an everyday wide receiver for this team. He probably should be based on talent, but right now he's not. And for him to put up that many points, it's going to be impressive when eventually Kadarius Toney and Wendell Robinson do get healthy. Because now you've got three very dynamic players. Maybe they're not the most talented, right? Kadarius Toney, Wendell Robinson. But they have the potential to be super dynamic, as does Saquon Barkley, who at this point, Luke, and, and I, we said it last week, and I'll, I'll go back on what I said. The Giants shouldn't sign Barkley to like an 18 or $15 million contract per year. Like you could probably get him three years for $12 million a year, which I think is a very favorable contract when you consider how much you're paying Kenny Galladay, right? Every single free agent wide receiver is overpaid. So maybe you overpay a little bit for the running back, who you know will be good for the next couple of years, but we don't have to get into that again, Luke. This just was a really nice win for this team. Like, it was a well-played football game, and for Daniel Jones to do what he did on a bum ankle was incredible, to say the least. Yeah, and they found a weakness. The biggest play of the game was the Saquon Barkley crossing route, ton of space, breaks ankles, gets the Giants in a scoring position. And I was reading after the game, you know, the Packers have a good pass defense, but their one weakness. They're the worst team in the NFL against crossing routes. So what do you do? You throw your best weapon, Saquon Barkley, into the slot, he runs a crossing route. No one's home. He breaks for another, you know, twenty-five yards on top of that, and that sets up the Giants uh, to score again late. So it's really just the little things that the Giants are getting better at. And you know, Daniel Jones, I, I still don't think he's the the guy that you go for long term. But I mean, he's doing enough to win games. And you know, Jimmy G does a similar thing in San Francisco. And you know, maybe it doesn't get you the the franchise quarterback contract, but. I'm sure if the Giants don't bring him back, someone's going to take a stab at Daniel Jones because he is better than, you know, at least, you know, seven quarterbacks in the NFL right now, somewhere around there. So good for him to to be in a pressure-packed situation, a pressure-packed year, 
and to to put up some some decent games so would far. Would you take him or Kirk Cousins? With you know, obviously considering both their expected salaries, right? I don't think Daniel Jones is oh, making more than twenty that's million next season. Really interesting. That's really interesting. Uh, I still think I'd take Kirk Cousins, but if you throw salaries in the mix, I mean, what Kirk's getting forty million dollars? Yeah, compared to what's Daniel going to get? Maybe, maybe fifteen, twenty if he's lucky. Fifteen to eighteen, yeah. So I mean, throw salaries like so. You're saying like if you swap Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones right now. I, I wonder how much worse the Vikings would be. It's a good question. I still think Kirk's better. Uh, I think he's a little more accurate for sure, and I think he throws a better deep ball. But we also don't know if Daniel Jones can throw deep because he doesn't have a Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Right. Um, I wasn't to say. Like, how is Marcus Johnson playing the most snaps? The dude that was called up from the yeah, practice squad. It makes no sense. Week. That's crazy. I think one last thing for me, at least for the Giants, and then we'll kind of touch on maybe the playoffs, right? We're talking playoffs here, but – when I look at this team, and I look at Daniel Jones, maybe he's not the guy that wins you a Super Bowl. But if you don't have a bona fide top five pick to go out there and get a quarterback, with the holes they have on this roster, and that's wide receiver, that's, you know, the offensive line could probably get a little better. It's still very good, but maybe add more to that. The defensive line probably hasn't been what you necessarily want. And then your secondary with Adoree Jackson as your top cornerback, why not run back with Daniel Jones next season? Not because he is the best option or the best quarterback you can find, but maybe with the resources that you have or that you want, he could be more than serviceable, which at that point is is kind of all you need. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I think it really just depends how they see the draft playing out. You know, if they think they can move up and get a guy, because it seems like, I don't know, it seems like Dable is almost using Daniel Jones as like a, hey, we kind of know you're uh, you're going to be out the door here, so let's just, like, Say he say he's the franchise quarterback. You know, does he play Sunday? You know, is his is his ankle good enough, or do they play it? You know, cautionary because they're going over to London to play the Packers. But maybe they're like, hey, like who cares? Let's put Daniel Jones in. Let's let him run. Let's let him, you know, make these plays. And you know, maybe that's unlocked something in him, kind of playing a little bit more free and loose. I think if you let Daniel Jones come back next year, you're probably a similar team. I mean, the issue is going to be if you're a playoff team. It's going to be a little bit of a tougher schedule next year. You know, how much of the record is, you know, the scheduling and, and things like that. I don't have to win games, but. I mean, Luke, sorry to cut you I off, but the strength of schedule for the Giants is is, is 52%. Yeah, well, That's right with, there with you know, the Vikings are 52%. The, the Packers mean, yeah, are 60%. They've also, like, they've only beaten the Packers and the Titans are the only, or because they lost the Cowboys. Yeah. What, so they beat Carolina, so, who stinks, and... And the Bears, who also The Bears stink. also stink, yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm not taking away wins. I'm not going to do that, but, you know, that that's my thing. And and they don't really have any auto losses on their schedule. I guess maybe the Eagles at this point could be an auto loss, but, like... I think they could be they, the they could compete with the Cowboys the second time around. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They don't yeah. have, at this point, any games on their schedule where I'm saying that's definitely an L, except... Like I said, maybe the Eagles. I don't think they're going to sweep the Eagles, so there's probably one loss in there. But, you know, for the rest of the year, they've got, they've got it made for them. Like, you talk playoffs, I mean, I'd almost be surprised if they don't make the playoffs at this point. Is that crazy to say? I don't think so. I mean, you look at the, the next couple games. You've got the Ravens, which you could say is a loss. You could also say it's a win. Let's just say it's a loss. So you're 4-2. and two. Then you go Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit. You should win those four games. You should, you should be 4-1 and one at least three in your four. next five games. At least three or four. You know, maybe they lose a fluky game. But, yeah, they should be 3-1, 4-0 and one, four and oh in that stretch. Right. I mean, if you want to include, you know, the Ravens that stretch of five, I'll give you one loss, right? So now you're 8-2. and two. If you're 8-2, and two, you're making the playoffs. 
because after the Cowboys, you still got the Commanders twice. You still have the, the Colts, and then you have the Eagles in week 17, or 18 rather, which they might not be playing for anything, the Eagles. They might be that good that in week 18, it doesn't matter to them. And that's something that could really help this team sneak into a wild card spot. So there's a lot going right for this team. And I was going to ask you the question, Luke, which feels more likely the Giants or Jets making the playoffs? And I don't even want to ask the question because the Giants at this point, they feel like a lock to make the playoffs with the schedule they have coming up. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, the, the schedule you just laid out, that's probably 11 wins if they can kind of take care of most of the business, maybe 10 if they drop a fluke or two. But last year, the Eagles got the last playoff spot at 9-8. and eight. And I don't think the NFC – I mean, I think the NFC is even worse this year because, you know, the cream of the crop from last year, the Rams, the Bucks, the Packers, they've all struggled this year. You know, you look at the playoffs right now. The teams are ahead of the Rams, the Saints, the Cardinals. Those are the three that could make the playoffs, I think. Everyone else, I think, is pretty much eliminated. So I think they're better than the Cardinals because, you know, maybe when Hopkins come back, they'll figure it out. But they never figure it out. I think they're – Definitely better than the Saints. And then, you know, the Rams, I don't know. The Rams and the Niners, those will be the two tough ones. But, you know, they've got to play tough schedules. So I could definitely see the Giants making the playoffs based off that. Yeah, and then there's Green Bay, I guess, is the question. Do they figure it out? I mean, that's a team that's got – they should be the team well, to Green trade Bay, for DJ well, right Moore. Now, well, right now, Green Bay is the final wild card spot, and the Giants are a game ahead of them. So either way, they're, like, Green Bay can be better than them, and they can still make the playoffs. So either – because you look right now, like Philly's going to make the playoffs. The Vi- the Vikings. I'll give it to them. Should make the playoffs because the, if we're questioning the Packers, then at that point the green, you know, the yeah. Vikings are a lock. Yeah, someone's got to make it. The Bucks are in because their division mm-hmm. stinks. And then the question is, who wins the division between the Niners and the Rams? And then the final wild card spots would be the Cowboys, the Giants, the Packers, and whoever the second West is. One of those teams is out. So the Giants just need to outlast you know, one of those teams, which they should be able yeah, to. especially with that schedule. Let's go to the Jets, though, because this is a team that just slaughtered Miami. And look, they, they played a third-string quarterback, but the Jets of old weren't winning that game 40-17. to 17. It was 19-17 to 17 at one point, and then the Jets scored 21 straight. You were worried. I was worried. You were worried. The Giants scored, or the Jets, rather, scored 21 straight fourth-quarter points to put it out of reach. Look. I don't want to hear that the Jets beat a third-string quarterback. I don't, because the Dolphins beat the Bills with a rookie secondary, and they paraded like they won the Super Bowl, which they deserve to do, keep in mind. They deserve to parade, but now let the Jets parade, because this is a team that hadn't won a divisional game in two years, Luke. They hadn't done it in the Joe Douglas era, and their first win was a slaughtering. A slaughtering. The Jets' defense is good. The Jets' offense, we didn't know. And they just put up a 40 spot against a Miami team who's supposed to have a very solid, very strong defense. Yeah, no, it's an impressive win. I wasn't going to take it away from them at all. And, I mean, the fact that they're over 500 right now, the fact that – I mean, that's the – the feels like the first time in a while where the Jets actually have some juice at home. Like, it feels like for a long time, you know, fans, like, why, why even bother showing up? Or even if they do show up, they're, they're losing so early. Like, the crowd was in it from from beginning to end. I think that was huge. And I think the way that, you know, it was kind of interesting. You know, they ran the ball well. They played great defense. They put up 40 points. Like, Zach Wilson had a, a good game, don't get me wrong, but they didn't need him to have a crazy and he game. Didn't. And that's the difference, I think. Yeah, and, but I think that's the difference between the Jets of old and the Jets of new is, yes, Zach Wilson can have a game where he goes off, but the fact that 
your run game, your defense can help you out and help you score some points. I think that's the biggest key in this one. Right. You won the turnover battle to nothing, which is big because Zach Wilson last season, especially was very prone to, to some bad turnovers, right? You ran the ball extremely well. The line was very good considering it was every single player playing a new position basically from, from the week before, right? Elijah Vera Tucker is one of three guys since 2006 to start four different offensive line positions in his first 21 games. He's played everywhere stud. but center. Like, that's crazy to me. Veritek is an absolute stud. You look at the rookies in this game, Brees Hall made an impact, almost 200 yards from scrimmage. Uh, Sauce Gardner, an interception and a safety, very big play. Garrett Wilson's a stud. I mean, these rookies are really good, and they know it. And that's the craziest thing about this team, is that when your rookies have that swagger and that intensity, and they're not, you know, I don't want to say Jalen Ramseying all over the place, but they're not sort of this, there's not an arrogance, the confidence. And that's so important for a team that it feels different at this point. Like these last two games, the same old Jets would not have won these games. They would have figured out a way to lose it at 1917 against Miami and against the Steelers after that, you know, first play in the third or the first drive in the third quarter, they would have lost that game too. And they didn't. And say what you want, a 24-20 win against the Steelers is ugly. But 40 to 17 against Miami says something. That's a game. I'm worried about the bro we're so good line. I'm worried about it. Well, he's talking about that's the rookies. A, that's a, I know, but that's a tweet. That's a tweet that a team, when the Jets lose to, they're going to bring it out. They're going to so? say, bro, we're so good with the final score. All right. I, I don't well, know. I don't know. I'm worried about so, it. So, for, for reference, it was Brees Hall, and he was t- retelling the story that him, Sauce, and Garrett Wilson were looking at each other and laughing. And the quote was, we were just talking about it during the game. Like, bro, we're so good. But they, those three guys are so good. That's confident, not cocky? No, that's not cocky. Those, those dudes are studs. Okay. They, I don't get they, the were, they all should have been first-round draft picks. Like, those are dudes. Is yeah, that They're not saying – they I didn't mean, go to the media. They didn't go to the media and say, oh, man, we're so, we're so good. We're dominant. Like, look what we just, we just did. He just didn't look like we're really good. We'll see. Show up next week against the And Packers. I think they should win next week. That's all I can say. Listen, you, you want to talk about next week and looking down the line. You know, when we played the win-loss-loss win-win game, I, I think I had them at 3-2 and two at that point because this was the home Miami game I thought they'd split. Then you look at Green Bay and Denver, and those are games that at the start of the year probably looked like losses. Now I think you have to go 1-1 one and one in those games. And if you want to extrapolate out to the Patriots as well on Halloween weekend, you probably should go 2-1 and one in the next three games. All right, if that's what the expectation has now changed to after uh, squeaking out a win against the, the Steelers, who are horrible, and beating the the Dolphins' third string quarterback, if that's the expectation, then that's your that's your bed. No, but let's let's but. talk about it. Green Bay stinks. Like they lost to the Giants in really excruciating fashion. Like the Jets should be able to hang at least. And with you don't the think this is like a get right home game where they just come out and absolutely dummy? The Shouldn't Jets? that have been the Giants game in London, a get right game? I mean, it's a little different when you got. Travel across the pond. I mean, we'll talk about it more on Thursday, but what, what scares you about the Green Bay offense? Look, the run game is very good. I'll give them that. Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon are very good. But if the Jets – and look, the Jets gave up 100 yards to Raheem Mostert last night, and they still won the game, right? Who's Aaron Rodgers throwing to? I look at this secondary, and they've been really solid, this Jets secondary, right? Sauce locks up – I mean, they, they limited Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell to 70 yards. Combined, like, and then you look at the offense and say, okay, maybe they struggle, but if Zach Wilson can just do what he did last night, 
14 to 21, 210 yards. Like, I don't know. You can't tell me that the, that the Packers are going to be like, oh, we need to win. We're desperate when they just got dummied by the Giants in the second half. All right, we'll see. We'll see. I think the Jets lose next week. But, I mean, if you're so so, I, I think they'll cover. I think they'll cover the seven and a half with ease. That's but you said they're going to go two and one. So if they lose that game, they have to beat Denver. Well, they should beat Denver. Denver stinks. That's a bad coaching staff. You want to talk about the worst coaching staff in the NFL? I think Denver's right there. Which was the Jets three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, that's the thing. You're a fraud. You are a (laughs) capital F fraud because three weeks ago, the Jets had the worst coaching staff in the NFL. Zach Wilson was the wrong pick. Justin Fields should have been here. And now all of a sudden, the Jets are three and two. And you're saying they should be two and one in the next three. That's fraud with a capital F right there. Listen, 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 Luke. I said all that because they just got dummy the, the first three weeks of the season. Like, we haven't even seen Zach Wilson play this year. I was, very, was, I was very down on them. What can I say? But now you look, you're, you're, they're turning around, baby. Um, Sal's got the receipts. I, I look, I, I like this side of you. I really do. I like when the fanboy comes out. It's just funny. But, but do you see where I'm going with this? Like, Green Bay is not very good. And if they're not very good, that's at least a competitive football game. Then I look at Denver. Russell Wilson's not the guy. The Jets' defensive line has been really good, and I think that's going to. He also hurt has Russell no Wilson. his arms broken. Yeah. yeah, like, and then you want to go over to the Patriots. Well, if, if Bailey Zappi's still there, you should beat. You should beat the Patriots. Like that's not a game that you think you lose at home. Out of these three games, okay, I, I'd be I, very disappointed if they went zero and three. I think one and I'm two totally is down. is a nice step, but two and one is like okay. The, these guys are different. Okay, that that's all I'm saying is are we adjusting our expectations now or are we waiting three games to see where our expectations are? I mean I think because look, think these if you say games, they should go two and one, if they go if they go one and two, you should be equally disappointed. No, I don't think so. Why? Because I think one and two all of a sudden they're three and two, can they make the playoffs and then they drop two or three games to who are you saying are bad teams? Well if but then, then that's well, how you're sit here. what, you're four and four? And then you've got after the Bills, you've got Patriots, Bears, Vikings. Lions, Jags, Seattle, the rest of the season. Like, right. Yeah. Again, favorable right. schedule. So, for if, sure. if you're coming out of this first four weeks or the first nine weeks, I guess, and you're four and five, and I'm assuming you lose to Buffalo right before the bye, I'll take four and five. Like, that, a, a playoff team could go four and five in their first nine games and have a very strong second half and make a, make a wild card spot. That, yeah. I, the only thing, the thing I do get worried about with the Jets, which is opposite of the Giants is I think there's a lot of teams in the AFC that will pick it up. I mean, I'm not saying the Jets aren't going to also pick it up as the season goes on, but like I think the Chargers are better than they've been. I think the Dolphins, when they get Tua back, will be better. I even think you know Denver could maybe get better, Cleveland as well. So that's all I'm saying is, you know, are they better than those teams? And we're going to find out for sure, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's I a lot know. of teams you could talk about, right? I think – the divisions are fine. Like, I don't think the AFC South is getting two teams in the playoffs this year. So it's either Jacksonville or Tennessee. And I think you can make your pick. In the, or, Indi, or Indy, I guess. But I don't think – I think one team's coming from them. The Jets right now are the fifth seed. They're the top wild card at three and two. Behind them is Miami and the Chargers who – look, if two is out for a month, I don't know how Miami's making the playoffs. I don't know. If he's out for another three especially games. Especially with Teddy out too. Yeah, with Teddy too, which I think he'll be fine for next week. Um, their own rule, their own rule screwed them over. Yeah. The chargers, I think the chargers will be, will be fine. They'll make the playoffs. Indy. I don't see Indy making the playoffs. I don't see Jacksonville making it. I mean, the teams that are left, I honestly could see Cincinnati or Cleveland making the playoffs in addition to the chargers and I guess Miami. So if you're battling for two spots between four teams, Miami, the jets, 
the Browns and the Bengals, like, I don't know, like they could do it. I think they could do it. I think it really is going to, I think it's really going to come down to who finishes better between them and the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Which, because I think the Bengals will make it. I don't think the Browns will make it because they've got a tough schedule coming before Watson comes back. And then, you know, so they kind of might come down to the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. Which will be interesting because I've got money on the Jets over and the Jets finishing second in the division and third in the division, I might add, which feels pretty good right now. But to, to wrap things up on this team, I think the biggest thing is going to be the defense because Zach Wilson has kind of proven to me now through the first two games of, of his season that he can play pretty much good system football in this system. So can the Jets defense kind of step up and, and make a difference? And they made the difference in the second half against the Steelers and they made a difference you know, against Miami. And that's how this team has always had success. It's, you know, stopping the, stopping other teams, right? Look at Rex Ryan era. I mean, right now you've got a defensive, you know, coach. So let's see the defense succeed. And, you know, in the second half of what? The Bengals game, it got better, right? The last three and two and a half games, like it got better. So if they can stay where they are now and try just stay healthy and cross your fingers that it happens, this could be a fun kind of swanky team. You can kind of see the blueprint where this team could be the Bengals from last year. I'm not saying make the Super Bowl. I'm saying be that surprise team that makes the playoffs. Okay. All right. I see we've gone all the way in the other direction. Do you not see fine. it? I'm totally Do fine. Do not see it? Like, tell me what you think. Tell me if I'm an idiot. I think they beat a third-string quarterback, and they beat – who they beat before that? Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh, who also basically has a third-string quarterback. So let me see it these next three weeks. That's, I need to see it still. You're, if they you're there, go one and two – does that change how you feel about this team? What does it tell you about this team? Tell me the same. I, I think right now they're a team that's going to be hovering around 500. I think they'll finish slightly below 500 and they'll just miss the playoffs. But I think they'll be in the hunt. I think that's the thing. I think when they play, you know, Jacksonville and then Seattle, I think their names going to be on the graphic. I think there's going to be scenarios where they could possibly get in going the last couple of weeks. But I, I still need to see them go out and, and play – you know, keep beating bad teams for sure, but also let's see what they do against the good teams because, you know, they've still got to play Buffalo twice. They've got to play the Vikings. You know, I just – it's it's hard for me to look at the Jets and say, you know, any game is a slam dunk. So I've got to see it. Yeah. Look, I could be completely overreacting, but the Green Bay team hasn't shown me anything all season long. They beat the Bears. That's really it. I look at the Broncos. I, I hate their coaching staff, man. They're really not good. And then I look at the Patriots and I say, look, Belichick has this voodoo over the Jets that they've never seemed to shake, regardless of how bad the Patriots have been the last little while since Brady left. But if they can do some, if they can win a couple of those games, I think it changes things. But let's get on to the Bills, Luke, because we, we're running out of time here. I still want to get to the you still want to get to the Yankees and Odd Man Rush. So they they dummy the Steelers 38-3. Gabe Davis, a 98-yard passing touchdown. That's a team. That's a good football team. Yeah, no, they are. They, it was it was a good get right game. I, I suspected it would be, and to just kind of set the tone from the beginning. I mean, I, I really needed that. I was saying it on Sunday morning. I was like, I just need a game where I can like mentally check out by halftime, and that was exactly what it was. And you know, Josh Allen was fantastic. I mean, the catch that Gabriel Davis had a second touchdown was insane, and the throw was. I mean, the the ball was in the air for sixty five yards and just dropped into a bucket. It was it was stupid, and I have to say, like. Having the best quarterback in the NFL on my favorite team, and I don't, I don't fanboy too much, but it's really nice. Like it's nice to have a franchise quarterback. It's nice to go out every weekend and say, okay, maybe the defense will struggle, or maybe this and that. But at the end of the day, like Josh Allen will make plays, and he made a bunch of big plays. 
the defense stepped up even without Edmonds and Poyer. So it was a good win. Very excited for next week against Kansas City. That'll be a fun one. Luke, as a Jets fan, I know how you feel with the franchise quarterback. That's right. Yeah, Zach Wilson, the guy. (laughs) Goes from being – it's kind of crazy because I was higher on Zach Wilson three weeks ago than you were. So, listen, times change. I was down bad in the first three weeks of the season. I was down bad. What can I say? But they turned it around. The one thing – the one thing that stinks for Josh Allen, and we can honestly move on from the Bills unless you had any, you know, big points to make. These blowout games that might lose him like an MVP because, like, he had 364 yards at halftime, but they end up they have to pull him out because they're up by so much. It happened against the Titans. It happened against the Rams actually in the first game, and now against the Steelers. Like, that's three games already where he hasn't even finished. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's a big moment when you go to Kansas City and. CBS has been like hyping this game up for like two weeks now. It's going to be a fun one for sure. So, you know, maybe if you can go out there on, on the national stage and, and ball out, it'll help him. But that's my one worry is like, you know, he's going to have the wins. Will he have the numbers if he's, you know, missing quarters here and there? I mean, right now he leads the NFL in yards with 1,651. He is up there in completion percentage with 66.8. You know, out of the guys that are above him, it's Matt Stafford. Tom Brady is like a percentage point above him. Interceptions, he has four. Like four is not terrible. I think he can do it. I have a fun question for you. Let's hear it. Okay, so excluding like a final drive, like it has to be within the last like, let's say like eight minutes of the game. Will Josh Allen play a full four quarters in both games against the Jets this year? No. AKA, Actually, will the Jets? No, I think he will keep it. Close. I think he played in okay. the full game. Well, he didn't play in Week 18 last week because it was over and everyone was hurt. I think the Jets can keep it close. I think that defense okay. can keep it within three scores. And I think if you if you go beyond three scores, that's when I think you take him out. <laughs> so, no, I think I think I, right. I think there's I, I a game where the Bills just keep running the ball the entire time, or you know the the third the fourth quarter might be just hand the ball off the entire time, but. I think they can keep it, like, relatively close. Like, do you expect the – I don't know. Like, the Jets is much are much more confident offensively than the Steelers. They can maybe put up 21 points against the Bills. And at that point, it's can the Bills score, like, four straight touchdowns and then limit the Jets, like, one in the first yeah, four possessions. I, I mean, last year, that last game, uh, Allen actually did start it. Right. Um, and – the, the Bills only won by 17, and the Jets had literally nobody. The first game was 45 17. Was um, he pulled in that game? I, yeah, I mean, he, he was not pulled. At least he, he, no one else attempted a pass, so he must have played the whole game. Um, but oh, the Jets, oh, that was the Mike White game where he came down, back on earth. Yeah. Four interceptions. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong. And plus like divisional games, I don't know. They, they, they always, they always play close. So I, I could definitely see it, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, I was thinking about this too, man. And I know we have to go to odd man. I wonder what the spread would be if the Jets and the Giants played this year. It's gotta be like three, like, neutral, like three in know? favor of the Giants. You think? Well, I was thinking maybe like Giants minus two. Well, Green Bay was an eight-point favorite against the Giants at a neutral site. So at home, it'd be what, 11? Or would it be one and a half points? Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be one and so a half. Three seems like a match. The Giants would be a nine and a half point dog in Green Bay. Now the Jets are a seven and a half point dog in Green Bay. But obviously, that just came off the loss to the Giants. Yeah. 
So, so it's, it's weird to say. To I, I think that the Giants would be a three-point favorite. Okay. I'd say like two. I think it's closer, but I don't it's know. The same, we'll see. Whatever. It's the same thing. Two, They're three, both... two and a half. Yeah. Two and a quarter. Yeah. How about that? How about two and a whatever. quarter? Oh, it was a fun hypothetical. I like it. You ruined it. Well, how did I ruin it? I don't know, because you were like, ah, you know, Giants minus three. I don't know, it's just a, it's a basic answer. Oh, and two isn't. Actually, oh, I think no, the Giants gonna be a ten point right favorite. Right I didn't hear Is that better for you? They're gonna be a ten point favorite. Is that what you want to hear? Much better. Thank there you. There you go. Yes, give me a, give me a good clip. Uh, let's get to the to the Yankees, not the Jets. The Yankees. Uh, they start tomorrow in the ALDS. It's Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, and Luis Severino going in games one through three. And I guess the real story of this was Aroldis Chapman not on the roster. He refused to show up to the Friday mandatory workout. And he, his career as a Yankee is basically over at this point. Yeah, it's wild. He was down in Florida. I guess he had spoken to Brian Cashman and said, is there a chance I'm not going to be on the roster? And Chapman said it was still up there. Or Cashman said it was still up in the air, and Chapman, I guess, took that as I'm not making it. Didn't show up, and that was that. And really an unceremonious time with the Yankees. Like, the, the, the highlights of a role to Chapman is, like, blowing games in the playoffs, making you sweat it out in the regular season. Like, there was never that key moment like he had with that run with the Cubs, which the Yankees were hoping to get back. And it's super weird because his numbers were never really horrible until this year, but watching him every day, you kind of knew, like, he's going to walk some guys, he's going to make it way too close. And like I said, every single season seems to end with him letting up a, a huge home on the playoffs. So I don't think they're missing much here. You'd have liked to get Chapman right for the playoffs, even if he's not your closer. But that's my biggest question for the Yankees. You know, who's closing games for you at this point? You know, so many guys have been injured. So many guys haven't, you know, guys like Zach Burton, you know, come back, get hurt again. You're missing guys like Chad Green and Michael King. Like that that's going to be the thing. You know, how do they piece things together, you know, in the ninth inning? And I don't know. I'm worried. Do you like to have, Cole go eight innings in game one and, and make your job a little bit easier, score some runs as well. But if you can get past Cleveland, you take on Houston or or whoever in the ALCS, like you need a guy that can give you three outs in a clutch situation. Did the Yankees not announce their ALDS roster? Did that happen? No, it's not. I don't think it's fully complete yet. No, I don't think it's fully complete yet. When does it happen? I think it, I think the deadline's tonight, actually. That's ridiculous. So um, I'm reading a story uh, from yesterday on – SB Nation's Pinstripe Alley, just because I needed some roster projection. And he projects the bullpen to be Loisaga, Efros, Trevino, Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, Lucas Lickey, Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman, and Jameson Tyone. Where does Chapman fit in with those nine? Like, is he better than Trevino? Is he better than Peralta, than Lickey, like Schmidt? Like, where does he wind up? Because it seems like Loisaga and Efros might be your two guys that are closing, and then I guess Clay Holmes, if he's healthy enough to do it. I think the question would be between him and Litke because it seems like they were only going to keep uh, one lefty in the mix. Although if Peralta's back, that'll be two lefties. But I think it'd be between him and Litke. Like, Litke's fine, but he's not going to be a guy that you're going to be having in, in big moments or anything like that, at least I don't think. You know, maybe to get a lefty out here and there. So I think that'd probably be the question between those two. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably, that'd probably be the debate. And I think the Yankees probably knew for a long time it was going to be Licky over him the way that he played down the stretch. And then you look at Licky, wouldn't you rather know what you have in that guy than a dude that you don't know if he's going to be able to throw strikes? Yeah. And Licky's been good this year, two, six, seven ERA. 
in 57 innings, 60 strikeouts. Like he's he's solid. He's a pitch to contact guy for the most part. Um, and yeah, you kind of know, like you said, you know what you're getting. It's not going to be necessarily you know three strikeouts but you know if you put him in a situation he can get you a couple outs and, and not walk eight people yeah and one thing you've written here luke in the from the pre-show meeting the yankees won't rule out the possibility of stanton playing in the outfield if i'm sorry i missed it if carpenter is ever to dh that kind of scares me given stanton's injury you know with the calf yeah, Boone was very vague about it. He basically said, like, ah, it probably won't happen, but we've, I've talked to him. He's comfortable to do it if we need him to. Because my whole thing is, like, Carpenter essentially is just going to be a pinch hit off the bench guy, you know, if he's on the ALDS roster, which it looks like he's going to. So, you know, how valuable is that? We're going to find out. I mean, certainly, you know, if Jose Trevino or Higashioka is up in a big spot, you know, I could definitely see them. Or even if Cabrera gets a start, you know, they probably trust Carpenter a little bit more in that spot. He's been in the playoffs a lot before. You know, he's probably more likely to home run in that spot. So it's definitely a valuable spot. But, you know, is it worth having him DH a game and stand in the field? Probably not. Cabrera's been really solid in the outfield. Um, he's getting better with the with the bat as well. And you can kind of use Carpenter to pinch hit for him if you need to. So I don't think it'll happen. But Boone not ruling out, I thought, was a little bit interesting. And it kind of concerns me with him just because he hasn't played in forever. Like, he hasn't... Yeah. Taking a live at bat in an actual game in so long. I wonder how his timing's going to look. Okay, but he hit a home run off Nestor Cortez on Friday and BP. So Was, was it back. like live pitching or was it just BP? <laughs> yeah, it was live pitching. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of. That was the, that was the thing. The Yankees were like, yeah, he looks good. He's still hitting home runs. He hit one off Nestor. Today. That concerns me about Nestor then moving forward. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what's up with that, Nestor? You can't even get lefties out at this point? He gave him a, a softball. This is like. They should. The Yankees should win this series, though. Like it shouldn't be a question. They should win this series three to one. This shouldn't even go to five games, in my opinion. The, the the Guardians have a great staff and a great bullpen, but you know they're gonna have to line up their their starters because they had to play the wild card series, and it is beneficial. There's two off days in this series. For some reason, there's an off day between game one and two, so that'll kind of help too. But I think the Yankees should win this series. I think Cole in game one has to go out and shove like. Cleveland should not score more than one or maybe two, but they shouldn't score more than a runoff him. He needs to go eight innings in game one, set the tone for the series, and then get ready for game two. Like game one, Cole has to go out there and shove. Yeah, uh, Luke, why don't you take a stop man rush? Let's do it. Quick odd man here because I know we've we've been running for a little while. Football. Matt Rule fired after a one and four start this year. Uh, overall, with the Panthers, he went eleven and twenty seven. Uh, he's also owed $40 million after the Panthers owner, David Tepper, gave him a seven-year deal. Not a great tenure, and luckily, Matt, the Jets avoided the the Matt Rule uh, extravaganza. Yeah, I mean, you have it listed here, Luke. His quarterbacks were a decrepit Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Baker Mayfield. Like, no one to write home about. No, that doesn't help at all. And David Tepper, I think, is a very hands-on owner. You know, he wanted them to get Baker Mayfield. Like, he wanted all these things, which I think really doesn't help. And he said earlier in the year, this is a team that's five to six years away from competing. And I don't think Matt Rule is a good head coach. But if that was your feeling in January, you know, what really changed? This wasn't going to be a good team this year. Baker Mayfield was a guy that you kind of wanted, and he didn't work out. Like, you know, let them go full tank. Let Matt Rule get – let him choose a quarterback and kind of see what happens from there. But – you know, I guess it was it was time. Well, the, their GM now, Cam or not Cam Scott Fitterer stinks. Like, there's not a yeah. lot of talent on. The oh roster. yeah, 
No, and I mean DJ Moore apparently might get traded. Uh, they've got PJ Walker playing quarterback this Didn't week. Did they draft like, it's, a, it's a, a rookie mess. quarterback this past year? Yeah, he's out for the season. Who? It was um, really? Matt Corral out of out oh, of Ole Miss. Ole Miss. What happened to him? Yeah, I think he had a I think he had thoracic outlet syndrome. Oof. Let me uh, look it up because he got. I remember he got hurt in one of his last games. Oh no, it was a Liz Frank. Oh, didn't he also oh, like tear his like his um his knee up or something in that in the, yeah, uh, the bowl year game? Before, yeah, the year before he got hurt and then he hurt himself in the preseason. So jeez, okay, I mean, th- this team it just got to be like a full reset. It's got to be like a Joe Shane kind of bring in someone, let him take five years to build it up because you're not winning with McCaffrey. The defense is okay. And there's never been a spark with this team. Did you see the headline today? It was like Christian McCaffrey was unhappy after a loss to the 49ers. Like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I'd be unhappy too. <laughs> Man, what if they move him? That'd be crazy. I don't think you're moving that contract. I'd, I'd love the Bills to take a stab at it. That contract? The Bills. I don't care. How many years he got left? I don't care. Uh, let's look it up. I think it's like three maybe. You're not taking that. Don't give me that, Luke. That defense has so many dudes coming up in free agency. Come on now. He's making Matt. He's making eleven million dollars against you the can't cap. Get eleven million dollars. He's making yeah. eleven against the cap. I no way. How oh is no, he's cap- not. He's making nineteen. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> you're not. You're not paying. You're not having nineteen mil against the cap. Don't give me that. All right, never mind. His base salary was eleven mil, and I got real excited for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. But I, I want the Bills to make a move for McCaffrey or Barkley really bad. I know they won't, yeah. but. Just if money wasn't a thing. Um, other big news from the NFL, the Cardinals lose to the Eagles after Kyler Murray slid short of the first down marker on a second down, thought he had the first down, spiked the ball, which was on third down, he thought was first down. It was fourth down. They had to bring out Matt Amendola, 43-yard field goal, misses it. Eagles win, but unfortunately for you, Matt, don't cover against the Cardinals. That was a disgraceful game. I'm embarrassed. They should have won by a lot. Um, and of course, the Giants, who I loved, you know, as my sixth pick, won outright. Yeah, but look, it is what it is. Um, that was a weird play, but I mean, at the end of the day, like forty-three yards, you're telling me you can't have an NFL kicker make that? Like, but on. also, like Matt Amendola stinks as a kicker. We get that, but the fact that Kyler Murray not only didn't get the first down, but also spiked it is is ugly. Like, that's a bad look for him. That's a bad look for the coaching staff, which you already have questions about to begin with. Like you, you got to get the first down there and a couple more yards. You got to look at the at the sticks and make sure you're there. And that's just a play that can't be made for a guy that you know is kind of a a controversial quarterback. Yeah, Bailey Zappi, by the way, though, big debut for New England as a starter. Seventeen of twenty-one, 108 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And the Pats beat the Lions twenty-nine to zero. So Mac Jones now moves to the hot seat. I uh, they're the same quarterback to me. Like I'll give it to Mac Jones. Because he obviously has the the prestige of Alabama, I guess. Yeah. But, man, Dan Campbell stinks. You were on that beat for a minute, and, yeah. man, is he bad. I need a vindicate. I need a victory lap. And, like, every single press conference after a loss, he's like, yeah, it's on me. I got to be better. It's like, at some point, you're just not good. It's real tough. Uh, yeah, that's ugly. <laughs> um, baseball, quickly, before we before we end the show. Uh, divisional series is set. I thought the Wild Card Weekend was a massive success, even though most of the series were sweet besides the match. I thought it was awesome as a baseball fan. Um, what do you think as a as kind of more of a, a casual general MLB fan? I watched. I watched some games. I just 
the series didn't do it for me. Like Cardinals, Phillies, it's not exciting. Also, like, do I care about any baseball team aside from the Yankees? And that's not really. So I'm not really a great person yeah, that's, to talk that's about. That's why I asked it. you. No, but I, that's I think that's why you are a good person to talk about it. It was on, but there's other stuff I could watch. Like college football was on. Um, the NFL was on yesterday, although I did make, I did watch most of the Mets team, if not all of it. And then Friday, I was at work for much of the day, so I didn't really get to watch too much of it there. But it worked. Like, look, it's fun. It's cool. I think, I think I probably would have liked the one game situation more, just because it's less diluted in the sense that, hey, you could get the American League games on that Friday. Give me a six o'clock and an eight o'clock start, and I know I'll be locked in and watching those games. Whereas with yeah, three games, it's a little spread out. But listen, you're still making just as much money either way. If not, you're making more money with the tickets being sold for th- for two or three games. But one thing I thought was interesting was whichever team won the first game won the series, and all the mix up for the Mets was a sweep. So I wonder how that sort of you know changed things, or if it made any yeah, difference. No. Sets up the DS series of Yankees, Guardians, Mariners, Astros in the AL, Phillies, Padres, Brave Dodgers in the NL. Now, I'll hand it back to you. It was, uh, it was quite the show today. Uh, it was. Yeah, that it was. If you missed any of the action, check out the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. And we'll catch you guys at some point Thursday, I believe. Is that right, Luke? Yeah, sounds about right. All right so we'll lock in for Thursday our picks. We'll preview the week of football ahead and maybe chat some Yankees. Maybe a little, I would say maybe they'll win the division by then or the, the DS by then, but I don't think they're getting three games. It won't be possible. Thursday. No, it won't. So we'll give you guys updates on that series and more right here on the Walling Owen Show.